Welcome to A Skeptic's Journey. Today we have a special guest, Tiffany Lazic. Tiffany is a registered psychotherapist, a spiritual director, a certified havening techniques practitioner, specializing in spiritual psychotherapy, an author, and much, much more. Welcome, Tiffany. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good, thank you. I really appreciate you uh, joining us today and I can't wait to uh, hear what you have to say and the spreading of your knowledge. And I hope my uh, <laughs> listeners and viewers all appreciate it as well. So first, I'd like to start off by offering you the opportunity to tell us a little about yourself and what you do and what you're going to do. Yeah, well, thank you. And I, I'm really happy to be here. I really look forward to having, you know, conversations talking about the things that I'm quite passionate about. And in truth, I've sort of dedicated my life's work to and many different ways and forms. I think maybe a place to start just in going over my bio. I said that I'm a registered psychotherapist, spiritual director, um, certified havening techniques practitioner. All of those sort of tie together for me. It, it's, you know, you sort of have to have the labels and the things that you put yourself forward as. But in truth, what I do, the work that I do in the world is almost like this holistic psychotherapist. It's, it's really right. working with people to see the places is that they have come out of sync with being in relationship with themselves. As a registered psychotherapist, the training that I had was in spiritual psychotherapy, which looks at, sort of grew out of that, you know, whole inner child movement and looking at the wounded child and the higher self and, and how can we listen to the wisdom of our emotions, even the uncomfortable emotions, right. and start to see that through the lens of a wisdom that sees the bigger picture and patterns of our life. And so so that ties in to a certain degree with spiritual direction, which is not about a particular path, but what is having a relationship with spirit or having a relationship with that which is, you know, greater than yourself or or what does it look like to see your life as not just about the days which link together, but there's a meaning or a purpose to the arc of a life. So okay. those very much tie together. I will say that it's in the last number of years certainly since COVID, that I started to work in a particular modality called havening or havening techniques, which came out of the, the work of two doctors in New York. And initially it was developed as this whole realm of what's called psychosensory, you know, the way that we work physically that ends up having an impact on our brains. And I think some people are familiar with it through EFT, emotional, like tapping techniques yep. mm -hmm. and EMDR. Those are both psychosensory, but havening is kind of the, the newest psychosensory kid on the block. And the changes that I've seen in people through working with it is truly nothing short of miraculous. What exactly is havening? It's a way of working with how trauma or negative beliefs is embedded and encoded in, in the brain, in the primal brain and the amygdala. And really as, as a practice or a process, it's about using a, a couple of sort of movement techniques that end up affecting on how the brain processes and, you know, how the brain cycles. So when trauma, you know, we have a trauma response, we're in the trauma again, and we're living through that place. And, and it sort of veils the way that we're able to see our life where havening ends up, the language is depotentiates. It sort of mm -hmm. allows what happened in the past to 
fade into the past, you know, with all the other memories. What I say to people is like, you don't remember what you had for breakfast on a Tuesday when you were 15. And these activated memories kind of need to be in the same place so that you can respond currently. And havening are sort of movements and techniques and protocols to be able to help you to do that. Okay, sorry but I interrupted. It, oh yeah, no, not at all. I, I just wanted to make sure everybody awesome. knew what havening was because I know I didn't. <laughs> yeah, you can Google. They've got beautiful uh, YouTube videos about it. But I find that it works very well with like the talk therapy is great to bring things from unconscious to conscious awareness. But then we also need to find a way to be able to let some of the memories, the, the traumas, the old held stuck outmoded beliefs, we need a way to be able to let them go so that we can live in today. So I guess that's a bit of the work that I do. I did for most of my career, I worked as a psychotherapist and as a teacher, I taught in a college in Toronto. I also taught psychotherapy. I trained a spiritual psychotherapist. And then maybe about eight years ago, I wrote my first book, which I would say had its, so that's the great work, self-knowledge and healing through the wheel of the year, which had its, its genesis in really when I started as a psychotherapist, because I was on my own spiritual path, was walking a pagan path. That was my own personal journey, but I couldn't help but notice that the things that were showing up in my office seemed to be very aligned to what was going on in the year. And again, it's just starting to have that sense of like going back to what we were talking earlier about that book, the, you know, the goddess of the alphabet. When we start to compartmentalize things, that's when we start to get a, perhaps a little bit off track. So seeing that what I'm going through and what I'm experiencing and how I'm processing, if I'm seeing that as separate from what's going on in the world or what's going on in the environment around me, what's going on in nature, then maybe I'm missing something which can be a very powerful and helpful tool for me to work with. And even outside of it being a tool, we are impacted by nature because we are nature. Exactly. And so how to then open up our awareness so that to consciously, I think empowerment comes when I'm aware that I can activate my power of choice. I can utilize my power of choice. So when I look around me and I see things starting to you know, decay, and die around me and and that brings up feelings in me well what about if instead of trying to like turn my head away from that and just be like right. let's just pretend that's not happening because it makes me uncomfortable if instead i open myself to like how does that feeling move through me and how can i use that feeling that moves through me to help me to let go of perhaps other things that i'm grieving other things that i've had to let go of in the past you know so it becomes a source of support and strength instead of something I'm trying to hide from. Yeah, it sounds very similar to um, another book I'm reading uh, called The Obstacle is the Way by mm -hmm. Ryan Holiday. And he talks about the obstacle isn't necessarily a bad thing. By going through it, you can improve yourself and you're going to learn about yourself and learn things to help you on your journey. So an obstacle isn't necessarily something to always be avoided. It's kind of Absolutely. the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, just instead of hiding from those bad feelings, just process them, go through them. Maybe it's difficult, but once you get to the other side, you're on the other side. You've traversed the obstacle. Yeah. And it actually points to a thing. If you want to dive into the true depth of the rabbit hole right <laughs> at the get go. <laughs> hey, like I said, I told you up front, Tiffany. 
let the conversation go go where it goes i mean well so one of the things which i've found and i touch on it in the great work which for me is it was going to be the only book it was you know <laughs> i i had this sense of seeing this unfolding of of the year through the lens of psychotherapy through the lens of one's own personal journey and so that's what i wanted to present i didn't really have an intention to be an author or write books you know that because mm -hmm. i saw myself in the work that I was doing. But literally, I would say within two weeks of the great work being published, I started to get this little niggle like, you're not done yet. There's, <laughs> there's more. There's more that needs to be said. And the thing that I felt that needed to be said, the thing that I felt like the great work didn't totally address was the fact that when it comes to nature, when it comes to the wheel of the year, we can talk about, oh, the dark half of the year, oh, the light half of the year. And we very much see that there is beauty and benefit to the whole, but we do not do that with ourselves. No that shadow we don't want to go there not even so much shadow because i think there can be some you know there's awareness that you know there's there's the repressed and the rejected self which is living in the shadow and we want to bring it to to the light and and we can appreciate that more specifically what rarely i find that we we talk about that that it's is shame mm, yeah it's that absolute disconnection with self it's the shame that says i'm not good enough i'm unlovable i'm i'm weird i'm a freak <laughs> i'm different you know if people actually knew me if people actually saw me they wouldn't like so i have to hide myself so the dark is not even so much shadow i would say it is shame and so when we talk about things like obstacles we can recognize that there can be a gift in the obstacle because it does actually tell me something about myself but very often what people experience is when i hit an obstacle it's because the divine doesn't want me to <laughs> it is being withheld from me or there's something wrong with me for there being an obstacle in the first place. Like everybody else seems to be able to just jump right over that hurdle. What's wrong with me that I can't? Right. And so it's it's not even so much the hurdle, it's the shame that comes with it. Even when you say the bad emotions, there's or th those bad feelings that we have, that that can also start to put sort of qualitative language around it. Right. You know, there's no bad emotions. There are uncomfortable emotions. Right. And yet, if you listen to the language that's out there, we, we still do look at anger and fear and hurt, pain, sadness, those ones, we still have a tendency and, and all of the, you know, range that right. flows from those. Those are the dark half of the year. Th those are the, the hard emotions to go through. And when we can, as I, I say in, you know, sort of the whole other aspect of what the noble art is flowing into, when we can see that they are just information and when we can disconnect them from shame right then we can listen to what the gift of them is yeah so the great work 
looked at the whole arc of the wheel of the year from that the birth of the self the you know that that magical child that yule right. and looking at how you can follow and support that light all the way through to growth and fruition and harvest um, and all the tools that one can utilize to do that the noble art. So that's sort of looking at things from that. I, right. I call it Arian Rhodes book because we're kind of looking at the big perspective and mm -hmm. and seeing how that whole you know arc of cycle flows. But but the noble art, I dropped it down and and I called that one Caradwin's book because it just plunks you right into the depth of the cauldron to say, okay, well in every single cycle when we look at at these spokes of the wheel of the year, what is the shadow? How does shame show up in right. that? in the themes and then how do you transmute that into essence and light and strength before you go to the next cycle right. and look at it through that lens as well i mean other than the obvious ones like i'm looking at your book at the beginning of each chapter and sometimes in between you have charts showing you know what goes in each cycle what goes with each uh each of the eight parts of the wheel of the year. How did you know which one belonged where, if that makes any sense? Yeah. Like some makes sense, you know, harvest to, to go, uh, you know, with August 1st and rebirth for Yule and stuff. I mean, but the, all the other, I guess, facts or, or things you attach to it. I found that an interesting process because the the writing of the great work, certainly, which I, I would say was is the bones of all the work that I do. And I certainly laid the foundation to the noble art, which came a lot quicker because the structure was already there. I was working on the great work. I think it was close to 12 years. Like it took wow. a long, yeah, it took a long time. And I used to talk about the fact that, you know, in, in my office as a psychotherapist, I had charts on the wall. I had the circles <laughs> and the cycles behind a tapestry. So when I was seeing clients, you know, there's a beautiful tapestry. And then when I was writing, I would roll up the tapestry. <laughs> I had like, you know, thread. Don't look behind the curtain. <laughs> no. It's the wizard. So, but, um, but a lot of it was, again, it, it's what I think I present in the books as well, that I did look at my experience. I looked at what other people were telling me and I sat with the myths and the stories. And when you bring those three things together, mm. something of a core archetypal theme starts to make itself known. Okay. So it's just about learning. And this is exactly what I'm teaching in that, you know, the spiritual language language of symbols is how to start to listen for for where those those themes appear or when you see the theme how to then distill it into all of the different reflections that it could possibly sort of drop into so to put it simply all the ingredients went to the pot and kind of felt what kind of rose up to the top yeah so so for example beltane mm -hmm. you know cycle four i knew about because i'd experienced i'd i'd participated in many maypole dances <laughs> you know i read the stories of some of the myths that tend to come up at that time of year i listened to the fact that i i can pretty much put money on the fact that once late april may starts coming around people are going to be talking about relationship with their therapist like it just happens being in relationship not being in relationship wanting relationship problems in relationships like maybe not a hundred percent of the time but a high enough percentage of 
of the time that it's like, hmm, what's going on here? Right. And then when you see that, you know, it is about weaving life together, weaving opposites together, not just sort of romantic relationships, but you know, who I am in relation to my work or that you start to realize, oh, okay. So the maypole dance as a symbol for how individuals can come together and weave something. And even watching the dance mm. itself, I've led enough maypole dances to know that at the very beginning, it's chaos. You just look at the weave and it's like, okay, that's a bit of a mess. And it takes some time before the beautiful pattern, how people work together. So those are the themes that right. you work with at that time. Right. Now you have to, like, if I wanted to undertake the great work and go through this process laid out in your book, do I have to start that at Yule? Or can you jump in any time during the year? Yeah, no, you can start any time. You can, so a few different ways. Number one, you can start any time. Mm -hmm. But I do find that what happens sometimes is that, you know, for example, if you were to start now, we're in cycle six, it's about visioning self and, you know, having that sense of what are the beliefs that I carry about myself and how does that that impact on how I am in the world and how I see the world, how I interact with the world, that I may find working through that a little bit that, oh gosh, you know what, it actually does go back to what I learned in childhood, you know, what I learned in my family home. So maybe I will actually go back to cycle one to look at family of right. origin and who was the me. Okay, so you can start anywhere, but it's probably easiest to start at Yule at the beginning. Yeah. Okay, yeah, everybody. Yeah. So make sure you get the book and read it now that way you're going to be ready for Yule in December so you can start in January. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, another question. Too is, yeah, because wherever you start, if you start at Yule, even in cycle six, it's going to give you great information for you to process through what you're processing. Right. Now, so if somebody wants to approach this brand new, is it better to not go directly to the noble art to read you know, the first book first, the great work? Is it going to make a smoother transition or can you just kind of start with the second book? And Yeah, you can definitely start with the second book. I think for people who are really, because it's the noble art from shadow to essence through the wheel of the year. And so for people who are really looking at, like, I want to go into the shadow work. I want to start really diving into some of this stuff that has been holding me back from being in relationship, healthy, supportive relationship with myself. Because one of the things that I find myself saying more and more lately is, and not that, I mean, it's been said before, but just sort of reiterating it, you know, that we really do need to be in right relationship with ourselves first. You know, what I say is that you are the only person, you are the only being who is going to be with you from the very first breath that you took to the very last breath that you do take. Right. You are the only constant. So if you're not right with yourself, that is going to create some bumps. And I think more people than not are not right with themselves and most probably don't even know it. Well, and this is where I feel like, you know, we certainly are, and I'm, I'm seeing it, increasingly I'm seeing it. And I think, you know, we certainly could talk about what are the specific elements that are contributing to that. And that's a whole other long conversation, <laughs> but there's a global mental health crisis. And 
and and I think I can say global only because I've lived in Canada for most of my life. I certainly worked with people in Canada and the U.S. and now I live in the U.K. and I'm seeing things here as well. There's there's a mental health crisis. And I kind of wonder sometimes though, it's definitely a crisis, but how much of it is, I guess, transitory and that COVID and whatever else push things to the surface. And once people get over it, you know, maybe they're not going to have issues anymore as opposed to how much is just a real genuine increase in mental health. It's not just a situational thing that once it's over, they're better. Yeah, I'm not seeing it as being a situational thing because I think what happened with COVID is that previous to COVID, there was still a mental health crisis, but we were able to distract ourselves. We were able to escape and lose ourselves. And with COVID, we were faced with ourselves. And so all of those things came to the surface. And, you know, once you open up that door, it's really hard to shove that monster back in in the closet, right? Yeah. And what I'm seeing is to a certain degree, there's their attempts to do that. We're sort of trying to like, okay, let's just get back to normal. Let's just get back to normal. But normal was not working. Yeah, definitely. Everything has to change and I guess advance or evolve or whatever else. You can't just stay in the same place. Yeah. If conditions yeah. change, you have to change. Yeah. And I think part of it is also recognizing that things have been developing in a certain way to create conditions that we weren't comfortable with for a very long time. And now they've gotten to a place where it can be challenging to know how to shift it. You know, so when we do, there's, we're to a large degree, there's still a lot of impetus behind sort of profit driven, right? Yeah. <laughs> I see so many people, so many people who are just so burned out because they're working for companies that are asking more than what they're willing to give it, but they don't have it to give. Yeah, that, that was kind of you know, part of why I quit my, you know, business job. Right. And after a while, you just burn out to the point where you can't take it and have a breakdown like I did. Yeah. And I think that's it is that part of where I think recognizing that inner nature is that when I can start listening to what's going on inside of me sooner. And when I can also recognize that the other thing that I have a tendency to say a lot is that I'm not sure that we've got a mental health crisis so much as we've got an emotional health crisis. Getting Mm. back to what I said, which is we want to listen to the feelings that make us feel good. And we don't want to listen to the feelings that feel uncomfortable. And it's the feelings that are uncomfortable that are the ones that are telling us what it is that we need for ourselves. So when my feeling, when I'm driving to work and my whole body is like, (laughs) that's telling me something really important. And yet what we tend to do is dismiss it or think, well, what's wrong with me? Everybody else seems to be fine with work. What's wrong with me that I'm not happy in this job? I just better make myself happy in this job. And then that emotional dis-ease turns into mental dis-ease. Yeah, definitely. I want to point out too, like my standard disclaimer, look, if you feel like you're having emotional issues, mental issues of any type or whatever, please get professional help. That's your first line defense. Get therapy see a doctor, go to a professional. I promote my Celtic practices as a supplement. I say never just try to do those. If you're experiencing a problem, get professional help first, then please do look into these holistic practices as an add-on or whatever else. 
Um, but please don't try to uh, self-medicate, so to speak, yourself with your own therapies or concoctions or whatever else. I think that's very important, you know, there, because there is there's also an epidemic of self-medicating. Yeah. But self-medicating is when we don't have the tools to be able to hear what it is that the psyche is saying to us. It's too uncomfortable to be able to do so. And so so going to see a professional, I would say if somebody's coming to see me, this is the other thing that I say all the time. My job is not about working with you so that you can function better in society. My job is to hold space so that you can start to listen to what the truth is that's going on inside of you. And that might actually sort of challenge some of the ways that you are in society. Absolutely. <laughs> but it will, regardless, it will help you to be able to have, this is what empowerment is. Empowerment is that I know who I am. I know what works for me. I know what doesn't work for me. I know that some of that may be absolutely in alignment with everybody else. Some of that is going to be very different from everybody else. But who I am is not defined by that. It's defined by the relationship inside. And I have to have that anchor of empowerment before I can start to explore what enlightenment is all Right, about. absolutely. Know yourself and first. And that's the <laughs> other cart before the horse that we tend to do. We want it, we stampede towards enlightenment and think that empowerment is going to follow on the heels of that. And instead it leads to a spiritual a bypass that crashes us into the dark. Yeah. So one of the things sort of, you know, again, so I'm going to contradict, I'm a Gemini, I contradict myself all the time, <laughs> but I have two minds. So as much as I said, you know, starting with the noble art is great for somebody who really wants to, to start to delve into that shadow work. The great work, one of the things that I did in that, which was very important is for me to have in the book is um, I have a self-reflective question every single day and answering those questions questions starting in cycle one is how you start to develop that relationship with yourself like what do I think about that and how do I feel about that and what what is that for me so that if you answer those questions every day for an entire year you will have really started to it, instead of opening up that door and having all that stuff land on you it's opening it up and taking one thing out and looking at that and integrating it and um, so it, it becomes a gentle and kind way I think of starting to deal with some of the shadow stuff which going for professional help that's you know yep. going to a doctor a psychiatrist psychologist that would be what that role is to hold the space to help you to be able to explore some of that stuff yep. and unfortunately the other unfortunate is that because there is such an issue around it like just so much that we we are finding that there's a tendency to move to medication and that can be very helpful. If you're drowning, you need the water wings. But as I say, it's not going to necessarily teach you how to swim. So wear the water wings while you're doing the work. Right. It might learn. be a process. It was for me. I mean, Absolutely. I was in such bad shape initially. They just needed to stop the cycle. Absolutely. And they started me on medication. And it took quite a number of months to find the right combinations and dosages of medicine. You know, and all that time, too, I was doing my therapy with my therapist. Right. You know, and by a little less than a year, a 
enough of, I guess, cloud lifted off of me that I was able to go forward and started exploring spirituality and old ways to, right. as an additive to relieve my mental health issues. Well, and, so and that's it all depends it. how you go. Well, no, and, and what you've said is exactly highlighting. It's that, you know, if I'm in crisis, I need the thing that's going to help support me. And that's where we move from, as I say, like disconnection into what is empowerment that I'm starting to have a sense of, of feeling okay so that then I can start to explore on right. these whole other levels. So yeah, I think you're you're absolutely reflecting that, you know, crisis to empowerment to enlightenment and then coming to a place of engagement where I can start to bring that out to the world. Right, right. Yeah, and you know, I, I still fear that there's many people who aren't even starting the process. They know something's wrong, but still the stigma of, of mental health issues keeps them from seeking the help they need. Yeah. And that's why I try to empower people in my own little way. Look, I'm sitting here, I suffer from clinical depression, general anxiety disorder. You know, I had problems, I've taken medication therapy, like I just said, I'm still here. If people want to judge me negatively for that, fine. I don't care. I have to take care of myself and I encourage anybody else out there as well feels there's something wrong with them but they're suffering emotionally or whatever the case may be it's not a bad thing you, you didn't do anything wrong get help well and that's it exactly is that recognizing that something is wrong is is not the same thing as thinking there's something wrong with me and right. that something wrong with me is the language of shame that is the dark mm -hmm. that will keep right. us caught right and one of the things too i haven't again another book that i haven't finished it's just well not just coming out but fairly recently Gabor Mate I don't know if you've read any of his books no so he's a Canadian uh, doctor who he's written a, a number of books over the years Scattered Minds about ADHD uh, Hungry Ghosts about working with addiction uh, he's just he's done phenomenal work on addictions mm. and trauma in Vancouver um, but he came out last year with a book called The Myth of Normal and it is about working with trauma and what he presents in you know, I mean there's a lot more to it but is that our culture is toxic <laughs> imagine that and so we have this expectation these are now my words but like to have an expectation that i'm going to be healthy and balanced in a toxic culture is an unreasonable expectation that if i were to look at it sort of laboratory clinical wise if i've got a toxic culture and i put a healthy cell in there it's not going to be a healthy cell right. anymore so part of it is about I, I think that can help to give us some peace like right it's not that there's something wrong with me but i am trying to work through this stuff in a world which is also out of whack and not to go to a place of you know discouragement about that what can i do but to be able to let go of the shame piece of it that says i do need to listen to what what my psyche is telling me that i need in order to be able to be okay in a situation that may not be okay in the world and so that's where I think, so the work that I'm going into next, and I, I do touch on it certainly in The Noble Art, which again, that's it. No more, no more. Yeah, and, right. Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> but the until, last... we, until you get off this call and you start writing the next book. <laughs> 
I titled the last section, cycle eight in the noble art, from wounded to wonder. And it, I'm sort of in this place now where I'm sort of deepening the exploration of that as well, which is that so many of us experience ourselves through that lens of woundedness. You know, there's some the shame, there's something wrong with me, the, the trauma, that the thing that hurt me, that tells me who I am is the thing that I've carried. And instead being able to find the seed that I choose, the healthy, I say the non-GMO seed, <laughs> right? It has not been genetically altered. It's my truth. And that that becomes the thing that I plant in my life. That's how I move from wounded to wonder. And I may still be going to a job that I don't like, or I may still be, you know, experiencing or going to a job that's asking me to give more than I can. But, but the way in which I am in relationship to that can be very, very different. Right. The way that I don't take that on as a reflection of me. And so I am increasingly interested in this place of liminality. And that's what that third I've got in this, through these courses that I teach as well. I have the empowerment path, which is about learning that language of the divine so that I, I empower myself to be able to, to hear. And then the enlightenment path, which is really about sort of applying that language to healing myself and others. There's right. an energy healing modality. And then the liminal path is about how to have that comfort of holding that space to know how to shift from wounded to wonder so that we're able to see, yes, maybe we, we live in a toxic culture, but it's not all toxic. There's a lot of beauty in the world. Yep. You know, e even in the things which are challenging, the obstacles that we may have to overcome, that we can see the, the magic and the wonder and the divine as being imminent, not something that we have to go up and out to experience, but that it's imminent, it's everywhere. And I feel that that is what sort of comes back to bridging what is, as I keep saying, you know, psychotherapist, blah, blah, blah. But there's a, there's a paganness to that, <laughs> that seeing the divine as imbued in nature, throughout nature. And when I, I start to focus on developing that relationship with myself that recognizes that nature in me and recognizes the divine in me and has that be part of what informs the way that I am in my life and in my relationships and in the work that I do, you know, then I'm a wonder worker in the world. It's a tongue twister. <laughs> Interesting. So I thought of another question. So say I'm going to work through the wheel of the year with the noble art and cycle one, I guess, could be a tough cycle, you know, dealing with that shame, which could be like rooted down to childhood and the um, addictions that come along with it. What happens when you get to Imbola and you haven't finished processing cycle one? Mm. Do you just stop and put a pin in it and wait till the year to circle back around to pick it up? Well, to an extent, one of the things that I realized, and actually it was COVID that made me realize this, was that so before COVID, I used to take a group down to Mexico every October to do some inner transformation work, tapping into those Dia de los Muertos. So we'd go, you know, in mm -hmm. the dark yep. <laughs> to this beautiful sacred island. And when we were there in 2019, I remember saying, it feels like something's building. I don't mean to sound all like, you know, premonitionary or anything, right. but this is what happened. All of us felt there's something's happening. It feels like 2020 is going to be a big year. It, we could just sort of sense that something was shifting. And then of course, it was by February, March for sure, that, you know, we knew that the world was different. And it wasn't until sort of months after. So again, I'm working, you know, the wheel of the year right. and, and 
answering the questions, doing all of that. And I thought, oh, oh my God, this whole year is a cycle one, this entire <laughs> right. year. And then it made me think, well, if this entire year 2020 is a cycle one, that means 2019 was all a cycle eight, that there was something kind of brewing in the energies <laughs> of the dark that were going to force the impetus of the calcination, everything falling apart that was going to bring us face to face with the stuff that we haven't been looking at for a long time. And so then I, I went through it to see, okay, so 2020 is a cycle one, 2021 is a cycle two, 2023 is a cycle three, 20, it's, sorry, all the I numbers. So, so I do tend to, in my own practice, look at, this is what the beauty of it not being linear, mm. that there's cycles upon cycles upon cycles. And so I tend not to be, and I'm sorry if this, <laughs> the triggering of the OCD mind would be. I think it's already there. I'm thinking. Does that mean that there's a cycle in, in each day, in each month, in each week, in each hour? Oh my God, what am I supposed to be doing right now? I know, <laughs> I know. And this is where to not become overwhelmed with it. What I love about, about cycle eight is realizing that I carry all of it inside of me. And so, yes, every day I have, um, so I ended up creating with a, a this wonderful, beautiful graphic designer. I created a journal called the Soul Alchemist Journal, because that's the <laughs> Thing too is like I just need a place where I can put all of this <laughs> and so it's crafted in such a way where it starts in cycle one and and it's got a place to answer the questions every day and it also has like a place to do the rituals to write down what happens in the rituals and the noble art so I can feel like you know I'm moving through in a year what this journey is in the big way but I'm also aware of the fact that there's a grand cycle which is happening and there is an energy to that mm. and that there can be littler things that are happening as well and I do pay attention to there so rather than get caught up in sort of the the structure of it I just pay attention to I'm moving through something we're always moving through right. something and so how am I in relation to that I mean for some people it's like you know there is so much going on in cycle one looking at my family of origin looking at you know what is my original pain I don't even want to move off of that right so okay well we'll just stay with that as long as it feels comfortable cycle two is going to be there <laughs> you can always move to cycle two <laughs> There's nothing specific necessarily about having to do certain things during certain times of the year, during certain no. cycles. It's just a nice way to frame it and to relate it easier, I guess. I think it's more about recognizing that we don't have to be dogmatic about when it happens. But what I always do say is that I need to know that I need to prepare the ground before I plant the seed. Right. I'm not being, again, dogmatic about when that happens, but I, but I know that the planting of the seed has to follow the preparing of the ground and the gathering of the harvest always comes after the planting of the seed. Right. It's just not going to happen the other right. way around. So again, it can take us a long time to focus on clearing out the ground because there is a lot of stones in that field. That's fine. Yep. That's I'm kind of envisioning it like a gear works where there's a bigger gear and a smaller gear and they're both moving, but at different rates. Yeah. And this is where, again, I think the empowerment comes in is that when I'm starting to pay 
pay attention to how are the gears shifting in me? That's that self-knowledge piece. And it's the validation that my process is valid. If this is how it's working for me, then that's okay. That's right for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Is there anything else in particular that you want to talk about? I think it's just, you know, it's funny. I had a friend of mine say to me, I was talking about some of this stuff and he's like, you must really, really like people. And <laughs> and I said, well, I'm, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the, the case. <laughs> I actually kind of think it is. But I was saying, it's not that I do this because I really, really like people. I do this because I know that for, for as long as I can remember, it has made me sad to think that people don't like themselves. And that is far more important than whether or not I like them. Although there's a whole thing. I don't ever work with people that I don't like because there's that connection. But right, right. And that's not to say that, you know, of course, there's some people who be challenging and, you know, things like that. But that it gets back to this. There's a lot of things which can pull our attention in the world there's a lot of things that demand our focus in the world there's there's a lot of things that we need to step up and have like duty and obligation and all of that it's one of the things that i also feel like i learned from nature as well which is you know i love sort of late spring i don't tend to love winter although i do now that i don't live in canada i would say <laughs> you're much more temperate now <laughs> love winter i see the snow over there in the mountains yeah. but it's not a personal thing like i can still appreciate the gift of it. I can still appreciate the beauty of it. I can still 100% acknowledge the need of it. You know, my personal preference around it is neither here nor there. That's just about my own experience. But I totally recognize the value of it. And I think that's part of looking at our own process. Here, there are things about myself I, I don't love. Right. You know, they, this, is, this is where I think the shadow part of it rather than the shame part of it. You know, the shadow part says, there's stuff about myself that I think is that it just brings a smile to my face. There's other things about myself, not fabulous, but I don't think I'm a horrible person because of that. Right. So that again is this, like looking at how the way that we are in response to what's out there. I talk about this in the great work that, you know, the quote from Joseph Campbell, which I love so much, is that talking about how we keep the image out there and we don't see it as being reflected in ourselves, the mythic image, then we've misread the image. Right. Yeah. And so if I can look at how I respond to nature out there, and certainly if we look to pagans, there are so many different paths. There are so many different practices, you know, so, so many. But I would tend to say that every single pagan bar none has a love and appreciation for nature. Oh, definitely. For so, thousands of years, they lived in tune with nature. Absolutely. So why are we keeping ourselves out of that equation? Yeah. Like you said, we're nature too, yet we're segregating ourselves from the rest of it. Right. I mean, sometimes I guess maybe there's some valid reasons. Like for me, I'm allergic to everything except for mold environmentally wise. So I, I, go, yeah, I go outside in nature and, you know, uh, I love it, but it doesn't love me. <laughs> right. Right. But then that's an obstacle. I'm going to find a way to overcome it. It's That would be an interesting thing to work with, actually, to tell you the truth, because it's interesting that the only thing that you're not reactive to is a thing that other people are reactive to. Yeah. Everything else, every type of grass you can 
can imagine trees, grasses, Bermuda grass, this grass, the other grass, everything. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing too, is that I may need to have a distance really, I can still love and appreciate it, you know, so there may be things inside of me that are challenging or even problematic, but but I can still work with that. Right. Well, Philip Cargam told me your sacred space, your, your nature can be in your head. It doesn't have to be really in it. And I definitely think that's true to a degree, but it's not a hundred percent replacement. Right. It's not the same as putting your hands in the grass and feeling the lushness or, you know, feeling the coolness coming off of a stream you're walking by. Right. You know what that feels like. So you can kind of simulate it in your mind. It's just not the same. Right. Yeah. Yeah. All these different ways of being able to experience how to how to be in relationship with self and with other and with nature and with the divine yeah i mean that's a common theme throughout all different practices going back many many years is that know yourself understand yourself take care of yourself before you worry about everybody else because kind of the whole thing with the uh oxygen mask on a plane put yours on first and then help other people because right it doesn't do anybody any good if you're dead that's it exactly yeah Okay, so it's 10.15. So now I'll uh, give you an opportunity to, to plug whatever, unless there's anything else I particularly wanted to talk about. I think we've just about covered it. Yeah, time went so fast. I know. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the conversation. I, I really did. I totally did. And I, and I hope that I answered your questions. I hope. Oh, yeah. Was... Yep. Well, yeah. just like your book, Most Reason Book, you provided a lot to think about, which I appreciate. I like unpacking things and having yeah. those aha moments. Oh, that's what she meant. Right, right. Yeah, I mentioned allergies and they're starting. Oh, my God. Isn't that interesting too? I mean, just as an aside, and we can definitely, but but it would be interesting to look at because this is also, you know, part of being in alignment with nature is looking at, I'm fascinated by body psychology and that whole idea of like the messages from the body and, and even the, the symbolic message of what's coming through. And so, you know, because it's so fascinating, you talk about allergies and then there they are. It's like the body is like saying, oh, we can, we can help you out there. Do you, do you want them? And <laughs> Well, Tiffany, as we're running out of time, I just wanted to give you a chance to promote or plug or let everybody know about anything in particular. Well, thank you for that. I mean, I think I've been sort of certainly talking about the books, the, right. the great work. Which I'll put, I'll put links to them in the um, video description for everybody. Do check oh, them out. Awesome. And I think also if it's possible to put a link to my new website. Yes, absolutely. Um, because that also has information about the journal that I was talking about, the Soul mm -hmm. Alchemist Journal, right? Um, which is a, a handy, just a, a container for, for the you know journey through the grand cycle. And also there's information there about courses that I have. And some of what you're starting soon, right? In a few weeks. Yeah. So starting with the empowerment path, like I said, there's the three paths, the empowerment path, the enlightenment path and the liminal path. Um, so I start with the empowerment path and the first class or course for that that's coming up is the spiritual language of symbols. Mm, it sort of intriguing. lays the foundation <laughs> for all the other stuff to come. I, I got more of the impression of, uh, what's his name? Dan yeah. Brown. Dan Brown. That was what I was thinking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I quite loved those books because of that. Yeah. Right? Okay. Um, well, thank you for that, Tiffany. And I'll be sure to link your new website as well as your books in the description below and you know if you're interested get the books try the course they're in pieces right it's not like one whole giant program the individual courses you can yeah, try you can one take and, them in chunks yeah yeah so you could try one and see if you like it and if you do continue 
one. If you don't, not. But no, at least you've given it a chance. Yeah. Well, Tiffany, thank you for joining me today. I really appreciate it. You taking the time out. It was a pleasure speaking with you. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Great. Well, take care. I'll see you soon.